Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Say What Again Billy podcast. I have a good episode for you guys today. In many of my episodes, I've touched base on subjects and gave brief stories and descriptions of things that I've personally went through. So I compiled an episode today with three of my top paranormal experiences that I will tell you guys about that I've personally experienced with some of my friends that were in my ghost group that I had started and people that were actually taken with me on an investigation that were not in fact in my group. But before we get into an episode filled with stories and history that I have, I have some paranormal news. Great white sharks have bite marks that spark fears from prehistoric monster Megalodon that it has returned. Now this is from a Instagram site that I follow. It's called Scary Dose on IG. Um, a lot of the stuff they do post can be a little, you know, hard to believe, but this is actually something that has been researched by um, scientists and people that study the waters. The great white sharks have been found with bite marks on them that are a little bigger than usual. Now, don't get it twisted. Great white sharks are a creature that can grow to great lengths and sizes. So this could possibly be other great white sharks attacking these sharks, but they do believe that it's possible the Megalodon has returned and something I've talked about on many episodes, the waters and the depths of the oceans have not been entirely researched or even discovered. So this is something that's a possibility. And something like this is always on my list as a possibility because we have not explored it. And as per IGN.com, something I came across that seems to happen almost every year, um, and it's newsworthy because it's of something that could possibly happen in the future, a half a mile wide asteroid will pass by Earth on January 18th. The asteroid length is 3,400 feet, but in the circumference and the distance from Earth and space, um, the asteroid is passing at 1.2 million miles away. So even though that sounds extremely, extremely far, it's pretty close that this thing is flying to Earth and it's going to be passing by on January 18th. Now, something that I did in the past and something I've touched on in other episodes is that I ran a paranormal research group. When I was about 14 to 15 years old, I started getting into the paranormal a lot more heavily. And I formed the group that was based in the Bronx with a lot of my friends that had common interests. Uh, I had about, at one point, 10 members in the group. And we would go and have these meetings and try to find places in the Bronx or within the area that's close to the Bronx to research and go on these paranormal investigations. Um, my group actually had gotten in touch with the famous TAPS ghost hunters from the Sci-Fi Channel. I had talked to Steve Gonslav um, on something that I was researching about Fordham University. I actually called them and left a message and eventually left a message and he called me back. And I had a conversation on the phone with Steve Gunslavs from the Ghost Hunters, TAPS, the Atlantic Paranormal Society, about Fordham University. Now, there's a couple of places in the Bronx that were built on Indian ground. And one of the ongoing ghost stories of Fordham University, which is a high-renowned college, is that Fordham University in the Bronx was, in fact, built on some form of Indian ground. So one of the stories that college students have there is they see weird things on campus and in the dorms within Fordham University. 
Now, Steve Gunslavs actually contacted Fordham University, and they weren't willing to talk and kind of taint the reputation of Fordham University, although that would have been something big, in my opinion, if they had the Sci-Fi Channel going there and doing a TV show on the campus. So we had actually got the chance to speak for a little bit, and that was a cool moment to me that I spoke with someone um, from a TV show that I idolized at the time. Um, That was pretty cool, but that never went through. And, um, you know, that was just a cool story that I had. But we did a lot of research within the surrounding area of the Bronx. One of the places we went to was Woodlawn Cemetery. Um, I actually didn't go. I had sent out two members of my group to go check that place out. Woodlawn Cemetery in the Bronx is a very large cemetery. Um, They went and checked that out. We had went to Sleepy Hollow on two occasions and actually got some decent evidence from Sleepy Hollow Sparta Cemetery. Um, my family and I had went to Gettysburg, Pennsylvania on two occasions where I will be giving you one of the stories from there. Gettysburg, Pennsylvania is one of the most haunted places on the East Coast, given the history from the Civil War and the Battle of Gettysburg. Um, I had went with my family because my family's heavy into the paranormal and that's some place that we went twice and on both occasions, something paranormal did happen. So I'll be giving you a story from there or possibly two stories or an honorable mention And um, those are stories that had a lot of paranormal things happen. But my first story is actually going to be from something that actually happened within the last five years that was just myself and my half-brother. Now, I have a half-brother that I keep in contact with not as much as I would like. He's a little older than myself, and we have lifestyles that are a little different. As you grow older, you come to realize that some of the things you want to do can't happen anymore, such as my ghost group. I can't freely go on investigations because all my friends now have families and are married and so on and so forth, but it's a little harder to do certain things and get in touch with certain people. But on this particular day, I was able to hang out and spend time with my half-brother, who had always mention that his girlfriend's house is haunted. And on this particular day, we had went out to eat for his birthday and we ended up going back to his house for some drinks. And within having some drinks, I had mentioned to him, I was like, you told me a couple of times that this house is haunted. So he told me a couple of stories and his girlfriend chimed in on some of the stuff that she experienced. And at that point I says, well, would you guys want to try something out? And they agreed that they would want to try this EVP section. Now, if you don't know what an EVP is, an EVP is an electronic voice phenomenon where paranormal investigators believe that if you take a voice recorder or even your phone using a recorder on your phone, place it down and ask questions within a haunted location, a disembodied voice from a spirit will be able to be heard on the recording and um, That's something that paranormal investigators do on a lot of investigations, and for some reason you can hear things come over the recording that you can't physically hear with your own two ears. And that's proof or evidence that something else is there. Now, in my opinion, that's a great piece of evidence, because if you take someone that's a non-believer to a site and record something on a recorder, and at that point in time, if you document the time that you're doing the recording, like, hey, I'm sitting down, actually this episode... I'm recording right now, and if you put the time, let's say it's 12 o'clock, it's 12 o'clock at midnight, I'm doing this recording, and that non-believer is there, and they're being quiet, and you're recording at 12 o'clock, and 
then you play that voice recorder back and within the range of 12 o'clock to 12.10, you are completely silent and something else comes over the voice recording after asking a direct question, that's a good piece of evidence because no one else was talking and a voice came over on the recording. And there's really no way that that can be faked unless you have great editing skills. But if you're doing it right there at that particular time, and you have a non-believer with you and everything is documented, it's kind, to argue, it's kind of hard to argue that that was fake. So sitting in my half-brother's um, dining area, we started to do an EVP session. And I only did something that was very short. It was like less than a minute and a half. And after I recorded, and mind you, we did this with the lights on and we just were quiet. All of a sudden, when we played back the recording, which I still have, and I would love to figure out a way to get recordings onto Instagram so I could play them for you, but we replayed this voice recording that I did, and a sound came out that sounded like a duck. Now, sometimes your body can make weird sounds, like if your stomach is digesting or you're hungry, your stomach tends to make a gurgling sound, and depending on the sensitivity of a microphone, you could pick that stuff up. Just like when I'm recording, I can actually hear cars from outside of my, my room driving down the block being picked up or right now I'm actually recording in my parents because it's a little bit more quiet and I had the time to get here. Um, about a mile and a half away over the water that's near my parents' house, there's a gun range and you can actually pick up the sounds of the gun shooting. So... This sound did not sound like it came from within something. It sounded like it was outside and it was a duck sound that got played back after I was done recording. So when I played this out loud, my brother looked at me and his girlfriend looked at me and were like, what was that? And we played it a couple more times and then we all had the same idea. Let's try to recreate the sound and see what exactly caused it. Now, there was wood floors, so we were stepping on the wood floors. We, I was sitting on a couch. We tried to you know, jump on the couch and recreate the sound. My brother was sitting on a kind of like a, a low built into the house. Um, like It's hard to describe, like a bar type counter, but it's mainly for like um, seating and putting things there. He was sitting on that, and she was actually sitting on a computer chair. And the sound could not be replicated. We tried everything and everything. Um, and after doing that, we were like, okay, let's continue and see if we get something else, but let's do it the right way. At this point, we got three flashlights and we shut the lights off in the entire house. Now this house is, was built and what used to, someone that used to reside there was someone from the World War II era, post-World War I, pre-World War II era, J.C. Leindecker. Now I don't have the time to get in depth with, about J.C. Leindecker, but he has a pretty interesting and intriguing history and he was the one that built the house lived there uh, again with a quite an interesting history and he actually ended up dying of a heart attack outside the property now this particular property where my brother lives in this area in Westchester this is one of the bigger properties and they have this deal where downstairs is a certain school type thing and they are able to take be the caretakers of this house upstairs. So they have ample room and they have access to the grounds of the entire house um, pretty much all day, seven days a week. So we shut the lights off and it is complete darkness. It's an old house, mind you. And we started recording again. And I did the recordings a little longer than a, in a minute and a half this one recording in particular had to go about five minutes. 
And I remember at the 4 minute and 16 mark uh, of the recording, that's when I caught something. But before we get to that, I actually heard something in my ear. And what that made me click the flashlight on and turn to my brother's girlfriend and say, did you say something? And she was like, what? And I'm like, I heard something. And she was like, no, it wasn't me. And I quickly went to my watch or the recording on my phone because I was using my phone and marked down the time that I heard something. And after we were done recording, we quickly went back to that time frame between the four minute mark and four minute and 30 something second mark and tried to replay it and hear something. And I, in fact, did hear something at the four minute and 15, 16 second mark. Could not make it out. Um, eventually, I went to my brother. I handed him the phone and I played it for him. And he looked up to me, at me and it says, this is what I hear. And I heard it again. And it was three whispers very faintly. You could hear the first and second one pretty decent. The third one was very faint. And it sounded like something was whispering, get out, get out. And we put headphones into my phone and played it back numerous times and it did in fact sound like someone was whispering and I physically heard it and was clicking my light on to to ask them if someone said something or whispered something. I had set out prior to doing the recording a set of rules and I said if you want to say something so that we don't conflict with our voices, raise your hand and I'll stop talking and then you can ask a question and hopefully provoking a response and at this point in time I was actually saying and you can hear it in the recording and I promise if I find a way to get this onto my Instagram I will have it out there you can hear me saying come on JC Leindecker was that you that made the duck sound and right after I say that the response is get out get out and to this day I still have this on my phone um, in my recording um, I have the duck sound recorded into my phone and I have the sound get out in my phone and it's something I predominantly play um, when I have ghost stories and we talk about it. It is actually, of all the years of running a ghost group, something that I never caught before. I've used voice recordings, I've used all sorts of certain things, but this was actually the first time that I caught an EVP and it happened to be at my brother's house inside a legit haunted house which, by the way, is a crazy story. The J.C. Leindecker House and J.C. Leindecker have a very big history. Interesting. I was always trying to set up doing an investigation there, but it just doesn't happen. Um, but at one point, we really thought it was going to happen and we were going to have the time for me to come there and spend pretty much um, 11 o'clock to 3 o'clock in the morning type hours there and I did a full on research project of the house and of J.C. Leindecker and it's something that would actually be a great haunted um, scary movie um, Had I have I had the chance to sit down and write it it's something that would be very very um, film worthy uh, you know something along the lines of uh, the conjuring type thing it's a, it's, it's, it's a really good story and it's all factual um, a lot of stuff that I found online and things they told me. And there is a lot of activity that goes there. This particular instance, instance is not just the only story. My brother has stories and so does his girlfriend. So that's actually just one time that I, record, I actually caught an EVP. And that's one story that I have. Now, the second story regarding an EVP 
And this was my actually one of my first. So this is the JC Linedecker EVP was the first really good EVP I got where you heard something pretty clearly. But the JC Linedecker recording was actually the second EVP I caught. The first one, I actually used an actual recording device, and I was called, and this is after my group kind of went uh, went apart, I was called to a house in Jamaica, Queens, where the story was, that was told to me, that weird things were happening in the middle of the night, noises, footsteps, and something in particular with a little girl. Now, every paranormal research group doesn't like to hear anything that happens in regards to kids. When things happen with kids, paranormal research groups tend to take things more serious because it's a kid involved. Now, this is something that I remember pretty well. Um, the story that was told to me is that this little girl would see a shadow figure or man in her room at night and then tell her dad. And her dad said that certain nights he would find his daughter sleepwalking, going to the refrigerator and taking packs of meat out of the refrigerator and sometimes opening it and trying to eat raw meat. Now, this was obviously disturbing and it was something that required immediate attention. So when he told me this story, I took it upon myself to set up a date that worked with him and was able to establish a Friday night to go and do this. Now, I had no one able to go with me from my group, so I took a friend that I was close with at the time, who me and him actually were gym buddies in the whole nine yards, and I called him in the afternoon, and I said, hey, um, what are you doing tonight? And he says, ah, I got nothing planned, really. I was like, listen, um, remember I told you I was into the paranormal? As I got called for an investigation, and I have to bring someone. It's just the rule of thumb, and if you want to go... Um, during the car ride, I'll teach you how to use everything and walk you through how to use the equipment. And he turns to me and says, I can't believe I'm agreeing to do this on a Friday night. We're going to go ghost busting. And I laughed and I picked him up in my car and I actually threw on the Ghostbuster song and we drove to Jamaica, Queens, where we parked and spoke with the family for about a half an hour before we started. And we started the investigation and quite a few things happened. Um... I had recorded something in the room, asking questions and using an EVP, uh, the, using the EVP technique, and I actually using a recorder, an actual recorder. And at up until that point, nothing had really happened. Um, but when we played back the recorder, I had said out loud, "You know, we're going to be here until three o'clock in the morning, and the little girl's not here tonight, so you have to deal with us." And in the recording, when you play it back, now this was a little bit more vague than the J.C. Leindecker recording with my brother. You hear something respond, no. And I heard that and was like, oh shit, and scared my boy because I was playing it in the room, like just playing it back to see if I got anything. And he was like, what, what? You scared the shit out of me. I'm like, listen to this. I'm not going to tell you anything. I'm just going to point to you when you can hear it. Let me know what you hear. And he took the recorder, the recording device. Now, he was not a believer of this. He was just really doing it to be there with me. He took the recording device and he brought it up to his ear. And when he heard it, he looked at me. His eyes opened. He looked like he had tears in his eyes. And his mouth dropped. And he was like, was that you? And I was like, no, dude, 
that wasn't me. And he was like starting to get visibly scared because we were sitting in the little girl's room in complete darkness with EMF meters and voice recorders. We then went down the hall because if I can describe this to you, the house setup was entrance, living room, narrow hallway, kitchen to the left that was small, two rooms on the right, one room on the left. And the little girl's room was one of the rooms on the right. We went to the living room area and sat on the couch. Now, the owner of the house was there with us. We all had boots on. It was a January night. And we were all sitting on the couch with the meters and the lights are off. And he wanted to be there. Obviously, we're in his house late at night. So he was there. He was actually dozing off on the couch. And me and my buddy at the time were holding our meters with flashlights in our hand, seeing if we can hear anything or see anything happen. And down the hallway, we heard like footsteps, like It sounded like dress shoes, not boots, because boots, when you're wearing boots, it kind of has a different echo or sound. Sounded like dress shoes coming down the hallway. And my boy once again looked at me and said, do you hear that? And I said, yeah, I, I, I do. And he panicked and woke up the dozing owner of the apartment or the house and was like, dude, you got someone walking down your hallway. And he's like, what are you talking about? Now, I had set up motion motion sensors in the rooms, which these motion sensors are outdated and probably don't even work anymore. I still do have them. And they went off when the temperature changed in the room. Any temperature drop, these things were sensitive to go off. It detected drops of temperature, and it also detected motion. Right after the steps were heard by us, the my friend and the owner, and myself. About five minutes later, the motion sensor that was in the little girl room went off by itself. It made a, a loud and after that, I, I turned to my boy and I'm like, yo, the motion sensor went off. And he said, and I'm, this is, uh, I, I guess, explicit language. He goes, dude, I am not fucking going in there. He's like, we caught something on a recording and this thing is going off and there's absolutely nobody in there and I was like dude you got to come with me and he's like nope staying right here dude not going in that room it's too much crazy shit going on that I can't explain which is absolutely true the motion sensor went off there was nobody in there we heard footsteps and we already had caught something on a recording I went in the room by myself with the EMF meter and was checking things out and got a couple of spikes on the EMF meter I clicked the motion motion sensor off again and I ended up doing another test. I put the motion sensor and I armed it and I left my voice recorder in there and actually armed it right when I left the door and I closed the door. Um, walked down the hallway back to the couch and I told my friend, I was like, I'm trying one more test before we leave. I armed the motion sensor and I left the voice recorder recording in there. If it goes off again, then we're gonna play back the recording and see if we caught anything. I went back and sat on the couch. Now, this is about 20 minutes later after the first alarm went off. The alarm ended up going back off. I went into the room with a flashlight, looked around. The voice recorder was on the floor recording, and the alarm went off again, and there was no one in there. I shut the alarm off, took the recorder, and I played it back, and it sounded like footsteps were walking around in the room, and then after the footsteps were heard, you can hear the motion sensor go off. Now, this was something that 
was spur of the moment and ended up being something really going on. And at the end of the night, based on the alarms going off and the two recordings that we caught, we told the guy that there's something in fact going on in your house. Now, I met this guy through a, a friend of mine, a good friend of mine that I'm still friends with to this day. And I always ask him, I'm like, whatever, whatever came of that? And they ended up ultimately, um, the activity ended up stopping after we were there. And they ended up moving because, you know, I guess they wanted to get out of that apartment. But this was actual factual things that took place that night. And I brought a non-believer, which eventually that story was told by him to many people. And he was like, I never believed in the paranormal until Billy took me that night to this place. And I experienced all these things. And he would tell everything that happened. And I kind of made him a believer by taking him with me. Because the rule of ghost hunting is to never go someplace alone. Because if anything does happen, at least you have someone with you. Now, my final and most reputable experience actually comes from Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. It was, um, I'm going to give an honorable mention here, but this was the second time we went and there is a house there. Now, I have gave a story about Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. Now, at the time of the Civil War, Gettysburg, Pennsylvania really only had about a few houses, five or six houses max in the whole area of Gettysburg. And the Farnsworth House is one of the more famous houses there historically and in regards to the paranormal. Now, there's a story that the person who shot Jenny Wade or a Southern um, Confederate soldier hung himself in the house there. And there's also a story, there's many stories of this house, where a little boy was trampled by a horse and carriage and he was brought into the Farnsworth house to be cared for, but ultimately ended up passing away. Now, in the Farnsworth house, they do a Civil War-style dinner and they give stories downstairs in the basement where they have the basement set up, um, a coffin in the front and a lady that plays instruments and also tells these scary stories that correlate with the area and the Farnsworth house. And she did, did in fact tell the story of this little boy who was trampled. Now, it was myself, me, my family, uh, my brother, my mom, and my father, and we were sitting there. I had my EMF meter out and asked for permission to use it from the lady because this is something that she deals with all the time, paranormal stuff, paranormal lovers going there. And there was other people in this area with folding chairs set up in the basement, and there were things happening. My father said that he felt someone tugging at his pant leg. My mother jumped up and screamed because she felt someone sit on her lap. Other people were screaming and hearing things, and my EMF meter was, in fact, going off. All this stuff was happening while this lady was telling ghost stories that were correlated with the Farnsworth House and the Battle of Gettysburg. Now, at the end, she was so afraid of all this stuff going on because we she had to actually keep stopping because things were happening in that room that she said at the end to me, because I was about 17, 16 years old at that time, this was a family trip that we went to to do this paranormal stuff together. And we focused on this family trip just on Gettysburg, when in prior vacations, we split it up from Lancaster, Gettysburg, and Hershey Park. So she stopped at the end and said, the little Ghostbuster in the back, I need you to stay with me as I clean up everything because I am petrified. This is a lot of stuff that happened that never happened this frequently or this much during me telling the stories. And I said, that's perfectly fine. So my family went outside and waited for me and I spoke with the lady. And she was telling me things that she experienced in the past or all the times that she had worked there, but she did 
go on and say that this was something that happened um, a little bit too much in one shot. And I started to smell a very pungent odor. And I asked her, I was like, do you smell that? And she says, I'm, to be honest with you, I have allergies and they've been affecting me all day, so I don't really smell anything. Now, in the basement of the Farnsworth house where the scary stories were taking place, there's a staircase that leads to the kitchen area and the kitchen area is where they cook for the people there. And obviously there can't be garbage or debris down there because it's so close to the kitchen. Um, there was this really foul old odor. I mean, it was really bad. And um, my dad came back in to check on me and was like, hey, um, you know, we're still waiting for you outside. Everything good in here? And when he stepped in, I said, dad, do you, do you smell that? And he said, yeah, I, I, I do. What is that? And he asked me if I farted. I'm like, no, I'm, I didn't, you know, laughing. Um, but it smelled really big, almost like a, sulf a sulfuric smell. And the lady went on to tell us something that I already kind of pre-knew, that there was a lot of dead bodies that were stored in the Farnsworth house. Many people brought in from the battlefield to be cared for, and some of them, or most of them, ended up passing away and being in the basement of the Farnsworth house until they were able to be properly buried. And on one uh, one thing that paranormal investigators talk about is that there's like this time lapse or events where you can smell things that took place during the historical time of the um, of the area you're in. So we were maybe going through a time lapse or stuff was so much energy was going on that we were able able to time lapse or smell what would smell what would it would smell like at the time when bodies were being brought into the Farnsworth house. Now, I physically smelled what I smelled, and so did my father. And all that stuff that she was talking about did take place many years ago and was just basically, um, you know, the icing was on the cake when the events were taking place. And before I left, she says, you know, take care. This is one night that I'm going to remember because a lot of stuff happened with you being here, and usually it doesn't happen like that or that much in one shot. It took place in like, you know, in scarcity, you know, it'd take place here, one thing. And, but that night there was a lot of things that were stopping. People were feeling things touched them. My father and mother had experienced things and I was getting EMF spikes on my meter. And that's something that was all that night at the Farnsworth house. And honorable mention, first time we went to Gettysburg, I had my old VHS recorder and I was filming the battlefield at some point in Gettysburg. Don't really remember where. And I was filming and filming, and I hear my mom yell, get in the car, I see a bear. And I didn't see nothing on the camera, and it was open field, and there was a little bit of woods to our right. And we got into our old Chevy Blazer, and we looked around as we were inside, and we didn't see anything. And my mom, to this day, swears that she saw a black shadow with red eyes, kind of beastly looking, dart out in front of the car and run into the grass. Now, I was filming the grass, and you can hear her at the time. I wish I still had this, but this is VHS era. You can hear her yell, and I'm panning into the grass, and then the camera go down and we get into the car. But there's nothing in the grass. The grass isn't rustling. The thing just vanished. And it's something that she said she saw in Gettysburg when we were outside filming at this particular spot in Gettysburg. But whatever it was didn't go into the grass. It just vanished because the grass didn't move. And she claimed it looked like a beastly bear type thing with red eyes. And in Gettysburg, there are tons of things that are caught on camera, on recording. And it's just one of the most haunted places. And my mom had experienced that right there in the Battle of Gettysburg Field and made us run into the car. And it ended up being something that completely vanished. 
And those are stories that are very um, reputable in my life that I personally experienced, was there for. And that's just actually three or four that were <laughs> the, the good ones, that actually something that I can't explain that was paranormal that had take place, took place rather, from my ghost group up until, you know, now in my life where now I'm just doing a podcast. But those are the most reputable stories I have, but they're just some of them. There are other ones, but that's what I gave you that are the most defined stories that I have. And like I said, there's others, but I have a lot of paranormal experience. Um, This is like going on 20 plus years of experience, personal experience and research. And that's why I do this podcast to tell the stories and get my opinions and thoughts out there. And those are things that I experienced that I haven't really told in detail yet, but I told them on this episode. I've only touched on them. I've only gave brief, brief stories in other episodes, but I wanted to actually tell my listeners what I experienced in regards to the paranormal. That really put me on this path to do a podcast and keep on researching it because that's just one thing I love. Besides from video games and going to the gym and other things, but the paranormal is always going to hold a place dear in my heart. And those are three or four stories that I actually personally experienced that really put the, I guess, nail in the coffin, you could say, for me believing in the paranormal. So that's going to do it for this episode of the Say What Again Billy podcast. And if you haven't heard about Anchor, Anchor is what I use to get my podcast out there. Anchor is the free app that lets you get your podcasting idea out there. It can be heard when you record. You can get Anchor to air your episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcast, and many other outlets. You can get Anchor onto the App Store if you have iPhone. You go onto Apple uh, Apple Store to get get it or Google. You can go on the Google Play Store, download Anchor. It's entirely free. Get your podcast idea out there. And I also like to thank the Anchor app for giving me the opportunity to do my paranormal show. And until next time, this has been another episode of the Say What Again Billy podcast.